We're live. And it's happy hour. Tiz. My name is Jake. I'm joined by Vegas Golden Knights and Little B. Brian Black, how's it going? It's going, baby. It's happy hour time. Mm. Tua's in the crowd here. Tua's doing the towel wave. Tua big time in the news today. I don't know if you're following any of that. I actually missed it. Please uh, catch me up on it. Yeah, so we had uh, a member of, I, guess, I think the leading member of Tua Non uh, tragically pass away. Pretty sad story. I don't know exactly what it was. But, uh, yeah, they were, like, talking about it on PFD Live today. Um, and Chris Sims had something to say. He was not too uh, not a huge fan of the guy. Let's just say that because there was a little bit of a uh, a trolling sort of element uh, that you know sort of dynamic that they had going on there. Chris Sims not a big fan of trolling, as it turns out. And uh, Florio was twisting in the wind trying to uh, trying to get that thing back on track, and it, it just is not a good look. I don't even know who you're talking about, though. But that's it's that sounds tragic. I really didn't know much about it either. I knew like of two and on generally, but uh, I didn't know that they had like a, a leading voice there and uh, yeah. Rest in peace to him. Yeah, no, I thought it was maybe just Dan Katz. No, I think he probably, I think he did what he usually does with that kind of stuff where there is like kind of a leading voice, you know, Jameis one of one things of that nature. And he just kind of gloms onto it and makes it partially his thing. But uh, yeah. There was like donations and stuff going around today, and I think Chris Sims might have donated or something. But yeah, some pretty strange, like off-color comments about the guy. It was, uh, it's, it's not great. It, it's, it's just proof positive the internet is a weird place, man. Like, just the idea that somebody can be just a super fan of somebody and build a whole persona behind it, and then somebody passes away. You know, it's tragic. It really is. Uh, and then. The internet takes it upon themselves to just throw money at it so that they don't feel as bad as they might about it. And it's, you know, it's all good, but um, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like that's the news of the day. But you say Tua was big in the news today. It's because of some super fan. Because died. of someone who made a persona around him. Okay. Yeah, right. it's, it's strange. Yeah. I you, you, you got me there. I mean, I've listened. Nobody, Nobody would be more off of the internet than me if I had the type of money Tua Tagovailoa has. We know that. How are we doing there? Are you hearing me? Mm. Connection already spotty. Love that. <laughs> you're you're the ultimate. Uh, we're in and out, but uh, you're the ultimate. I'd be I'd I'd be I'd be gone guy. I'd be gone yeah. guy. Nobody, nobody loves talking about yeah, that. Yeah, well, than me. you know, if I had all the money in the world, I'd have better internet. And, uh, yeah, that's true. Listen, I think we'd if if you had all the money in the world, I think this operation would be uh, in maybe a little bit of a different spot than it is now. But that's neither here nor there. Listen, we'll get there one day. Perhaps I, it could go either way. I mean, it's just like you said. I could. You'd never hear from me again. Could be gone. You could hear from me every day. I don't know. I like to I think would that just you wake would up be, and figure it out. But you would be some that, sort of. We like, don't live in that reality. You would be a benefactor of this podcast and this whole operation if you were to make all the money. And I think I would, too. I'll give myself that credit. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Studio. Um, what do we uh, What do I we would drinking? probably. Well, I got a cracker first. Okay. It's Spotted Cow again. Oh, it's a that's illegal. Wisconsin. 
Illegal. Isn't it not legal to have that cross state lines? Uh, you're not legal, man. Hey, listen, that might be true in a lot of different respects, but I'm just I'm calling a situation as I see it. <laughs> no, I mean, we haul this thing back every time we drive out there. So uh, I've got a whole bunch in the fridge and I'm going to drink a whole bunch of them tonight. So mm, very things nice. Are, things are good. We got big game three, big game three here for the Knights. Love that. I'm ready for the start. Heinies, huh? You're a Heine guy? Yeah, sort of, yeah. It's um, as I get my inaugural sip in there, it's kind of a bleak scene right now in the house, liquor and beer wise. I, I don't think I've gone to the liquor store in like two months. So I've just been kind of like when I have drank in the house, which honestly hasn't been too much, which has been kind of nice uh, just for my general health, I guess. Uh, I've mainly just kind of like pilfered scraps here and there. And I think, uh, I think the last time we played golf, I was going through this Heineken, uh, Stash, the very same one, I think. I feel like just, we have a conversation in some respect. Yeah, it's just kind of – it's lasted me that long. Um, so, What's that say about go. you? I, I don't know. I mean, it says that I haven't been drinking as much, which I, I guess is good. But, uh, you know, it leaves me with a Heineken light here for Happy Hour Live, which is fine. I, I, I do like Heineken here. Heine, Heine light. So I, I don't know if there's any sort of correlation here or not, but it seems to have just become a steadfast rule for me. I don't drink beers out of out of clear green bottles. I, I just okay. don't jive with them. I don't tend to like them. Um, so I'm just out on them. I think I just come to find I just don't tend to like them. So it's just I have a, an association with those green bottled beers. Like, no, thank you. Not for me. When did this start? Uh, years ago. I mean, I, I can't pinpoint it. It's just, it's been a long standing build up type of thing. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of like if, if there's something that comes along and the description is, is something that appeals to me, but it comes in a green bottle, it's quite an uphill battle for me to kind of overcome that. Mm. Well, that's, that's an interesting, uh, interesting hang up there. I kind of like them. I mean, it's, I'm a, I, and it kind of surprises me too, that you were not a rolling rock guy at any point. That seems like that would be kind of in your wheelhouse. <laughs> now, why would you say that? It just, you, you, you're just a rolling rock guy. And I think you know why. <laughs> I think Jimbo's a big rolling rock guy. We got a bucket, That's... one of those, you know, tin buckets that you, you put your beers in and stuff. I think we've got one at the house. Uh, mm. rock. Yeah. That's it was in the bloodline at least there, uh, as somebody else has joined yeah. into the happy hour. Spengman Powith, what are we drinking there? Sipping on a little little water. Might bust out a little Corona extra in a moment here. Just had some din din, chilling mm. man. Mm. Love that. How's it going? How's it going there? Everything good? Everything good? Everything's good. I uh, got my my new driver on the way. Update from last episode. Excited about that. Got my Jaws Callaway fifty four coming as well in a couple weeks here when when the back order's out so my bag's looking tasty got my tailor-made m2s in bag now and i'm uh, excited playing tomorrow at bay hills and arnold and getting after it mm. i game at jaw 60 degrees those things are legit um but yeah it's uh we got a little echo going there with you big guy that's spam yeah yeah um you're right it your voice is, doesn't quite have that extra little pop to it, Spenny. It's a little glum. Yeah, is that I'm better? Is that, that a little sharper for the fellas? It's not that it's is not it sharp. sharp. It's, sharp. That, it's, it's that, that I can hear myself. 
Yeah, like, there's like, a little bit of echo from us coming through. Hello, hello. Just pop the old headset on. That boy. Mm. That'll work. Maybe that'll take care of it. Let's see. Yeah, I think we're good. Can you hear us okay? That did it. I can hear you perfectly, my friends. Perfect. This is this is on the fly production right now. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Um, but yeah, I guess we can uh, we can jump into some stuff a little bit here. We're kind of just scratching around at first base, as I like to say. Uh, and you know, I kind of wanted to. You know, Eric's not here yet. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit of Orioles, Brian. I kind of want to get your take on uh, all that's been going on in the golf world lately. What's the uh, what's the take there from the uh, the big golf blogger on uh, the I guess merger, not merger, whatever you want to call it between. PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, the PIF, uh, you know, how, how are we feeling about all this? No feelings, huh? It's weird, man. Uh, I came out of left field. I mean, even Rory didn't see it coming. Um, there was somebody supposed to jump in there. I, my connection was shit while you're explaining most of that. And then I just decided to take that question. No, I like, I had the explanation um, and then I teed you up perfectly and it just took forever to get through to you, which happens sometimes, but it got there. And now it's happening again. I'm still here, barely. This is frustrating. This is what happens when I when I podcast down here, but I, I got to watch the game. So um, okay. I might try to pop this Johnny on a uh, hot spot, see how that does for me. Okay. We'll just talk some, talk some golf in the meantime when this message gets to you in 60 seconds. <laughs> well, there we go. Brian pinwheeling a little bit. The one interesting thing that – I don't know. I was listening to part of my takes episode where they were talking about the the merger. They're like, yeah, the teams thing is not going to be a thing. I feel like it is. And I feel like there can be some really good fun ideas out of the team concept. Like in the scope of the PGA tour, you could simply be on a team the entire year. That's accumulating points. There could be as you know, like F1 has multiple championships you can win. It could be the same kind of thing. So there's a team atmosphere to it. Um, I don't think it's going to be like, I don't know. Big Cat and PFT are talking about, they're like, yeah, there's not going to be any more team events. It's just going to be the ones that already exist. I don't know. They could stand to have a couple more team events with some giant purses. Like that could be a lot of fun. I don't want it to be primarily teams, but I saw that Nike is looking to potentially extend a $2 billion bid to that Brooks was Kepkes. That was, that that was satirical. Okay. Yeah, never mind. But I thought that was, a, it. you know, it's two billion. This two billion did sound ridiculous. I wasn't sure, but. Anyway, I feel like, you know, having a team Nike, a team Adidas, like that could be sick. A team, you know, TaylorMade, team Srixen, like that could be really cool. And I don't know. I think there could be some fun things to come of adding a team element to it that tracks year round. And I don't know, you know like some tournaments you could get paired up with, you know, your foursome could, or your threesome could be your team. Your foursome could be your team. And you guys are just playing together. I don't know. I think a lot of fun stuff can come from it. That's basically like how all this like kind of got started a couple years ago when this guy Andy Gardner, who's like a uh, private equity guy, went to the PGA Tour and he said, "Look, you guys are like in kind of dire straits here a little bit with some stuff. Like you need to make some changes." Here's my proposal, and it's funny because like Gardner was actually originally backed by the Saudis financially, and that was a big reason why the tour was not interested. 
uh, or one of the big reasons. And then um, the Saudis kind of just stole his idea. And that's ultimately what Liv became. And then Andy Gardner was kind of trying to do his own thing. And he tried to like still get involved with the tour and the tour is just saying no. And then the Saudis kind of obviously pulled the, uh, pulled the switcheroo and they came back with the idea and they poached all those guys and they made Liv. But yeah, I think the idea that like the team things are going to go away. Uh, there's two camps in this whole thing that if you're following golf Twitter, like, closely as brian and i probably have been the last couple of years there's people that like for whatever reason really want live to succeed whether it's political or whether and it's funny because they kind of like tend to paint the pga for as this like liberal woke thing which is like maybe one of the funniest things i've ever seen uh because it's just not true at all uh and then there's people that you know are on the side of the pga tour because they don't love the morality issues that come with the saudi arabian government um promoting a, a sports league which i kind of tend to fall more in that camp but both of those sides are now claiming quote unquote victory where it's like the PGA tour people are like, Oh, well, Liv's just going to go away now. This isn't really a merger with live. This is just a merger with the public investment fund. And like, they didn't actually really care about live. They were just trying to get a seat at the table in golf. And then you've got the live boys, you know, the live guys that are for whatever reason, supporting live that are saying like, Oh, well now the team aspect is going to become a really you know big part of it. And I kind of tend to fall somewhere in the middle where I think live is, maybe going to stick around, maybe not under the same name. And it's just going to kind of become a fall series. And I think they probably will incorporate some of the team elements of it. Uh, I just kind of tend to think that you mentioned all the really cool stuff that could come out of it. I think we're going to get like a watered down version of it. And it's like not going to be really cool. And they're going to like try to do something and like not go all the way like the PGA tour has kind of been known to do. And uh, we might just be sort of, sort of worse off through it. And yeah, it might even not, <laughs> Might not even go through. We're still so early in this thing. But, uh, Brian, I don't know if you want to weigh in now. I don't know if the Internet's doing a little bit better. Yeah, no, I'm on the the, the hot spot on my phone now. Um, crystal clear. Anyways, um, oh, my gosh. Hold on a sec. The the anthem singer here at, for the hockey game, his name is Philip Phillips. And mm. they've got a guy doing what appears to be the sign language with it. Um, and he's absolutely grooving. Anyways, um, I think I think you're pretty spot on in terms of how the team thing will fit in. I think it'll be kind of like a back burner, like bonus, like extra type of thing where it's it's a fall series type of thing where, you know, they announced all these changes and it was an answer to live about how they they were going to use the fall to more or less uh, almost like a relegation you know, promotion type of season where players would kind of earn their way onto the tour. I think that was like an ends to a means to like try to give something back to the lesser players that weren't necessarily in that top 70 or top 120 or whatever the number was where they were kind of differentiating like where who's like kind of that on that top tier tour and who isn't um, it. That, that would suggest to me that that fall season is kind of a throwaway period. And if they can try to squeeze something in like a team event or a series of team events, that would be the time to do it. Now, the problem with that is that if you're doing all these events that are designated events or elevated or whatever, and it's all squeezed into that January through late August period, you know, how many players are going to be really fired up like top tier players? How many of them are going to be fired up to kind of pick up their clubs in late September or early October or whatever, and go out and try to, you know, ramp it up for another four weeks or however many weeks a, a potential series would be. So it's, it's very interesting just to kind of see how they're going to try to 
juggle what they've already announced is going to be part of the picture and and try to squeeze a whole nother entity into it or a whole nother format. Um, I think, you know, like live on its face, take away all the warts and the, and the, the um, you know, where the money's coming from and all of that. Like, I think that they were kind of onto something. Like, I think there's something there with team golf. I don't know that. I, I don't think they were executing it very well. Um, and I think it's a really tough, like uh, needle to try to thread. Um, and there's no, you know, right answer. If, if there was, they, they probably would have found it, but there's something there and I'm, I'm interested to see them explore it. Yeah. Like Tiger and Rory said as much last year that like they were eventually they were going to be willing to come to the table. Like they weren't comfortable with where the money was coming from, but I think they kind of knew that it was inevitable that it was going to get its way into golf and uh, the tentacles were kind of just going to keep slithering their, their way around. But I think Tiger even said at one point, like, look, you know, all that can happen eventually, but like Greg Norman is going to have to go, like, he's going to have to get yeah. out of there. Like we're not dealing with him anymore. And it sounds like despite, despite what Norman was like telling these like live people in this meeting that Alan Shipnuck reported on, like, it sounds like literally right before this deal got announced on CNBC, Yasser Al-Ramayan was like calling Greg Norman and telling him it was about to happen. Like Rory McIlroy knew before Greg Norman, who is the commissioner of his league, knew that this was going down. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, Liv might stick around in some form or fashion, but I think it's going to look a lot different. And I think the PGA Tour is still going to, and in the way that it's currently structured, is still going to remain the sort of the prime sort of vehicle for uh, professional golf. Um, and I don't, I don't know if we're going to be better off or worse off for it, but it's just been a weird, weird couple of days. And I think it's only the beginning as far as Saudi Arabian money coming into American professional sports, which is something that I am not super thrilled about. Yeah, I'm, I'm also curious what kind of alternatives to the Thursday through Sunday element they could maybe do. Like I'm, I'm, I'm strategizing as I look at the tour schedule, like, okay, if you've got, um, you know, to start off the year, you've got the Tournament of Champions, and then the next big event is probably it's probably Tory Pines or and then Riviera. Like, are they – do they try to fit in, like – like sprinkle in team events between those big events and, and like, who's going to come out for that. It's it's, and then you've got major championships to worry about. You've got so much going on. It's, it's, I mean, I suppose it's a good problem to have, but um, yeah, I, there's only so much golf to go around. And I think one of the biggest things or biggest draws for, for those who jumped to live was to play less of it. So I don't know. To clear it up, this is like definitely true, but I, I just don't know if like I need athletes speaking for them and like kind of doing what Bryson DeChambeau did on CNN the other day, which is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. And I don't know, it's just uh, it's it's quite strange. Um, and the ethics of it, like I, I don't want to get like super preachy or whatever, but it's just it's a little a little slimy to me in some respects. Benny is a guy who's been getting more into golf uh, week to week, watching it with like the betting angle of it. What, what would your like ideal sort of schedule look like? So I was just spitballing in my head what would sell, like what I think would sell while Brian was kind of postulating like where it would fit. And I think, you know, like you said, Brian, fall makes sense. But there's so many PGA events. I think like if you had a team and it was hypothetically Team Nike and, you know, you've got a couple high-value guys and like they did a four-man scramble and they shot like a freaking 50, like that would be content. That would sell very, very much so. And betting on like a scramble tournament, I don't know. That's what's going through my head. 
like betting on some different styles, things like that. And then again, like, I don't know, just having the team aspect where it's like the FedEx cup, but also a team. So there's an individual one and then a team one of an accumulation of points or whether it's that the live continues to exist just as a separate entity that you can go play in the team tournament with them, something in between. But um, I don't know. I'm just happy. And the question that kind of comes to mind a little more off topic, but it's like, do you think Brooks basically pushed this issue? Like Brooks's play at the masters and at the open. Do you think that like shoved this forward a little? It had to have some impact. I don't know how much though. I think it probably did. Apparently they had been working on this for like the last eight weeks. So that predates his, uh, his win at, um, at the PGA, but he, it's interesting. Cause like he was apparently like not super happy with live. And like, there was a lot of reports that he had at the very least inquired about finding a way to come back to the PGA tour. And like, that probably was never going to happen even in like the most optimistic timeline for him, because like that Saudi contract would have been really tough to get out of. And like, those are not guys that you want, you want to cross famously. So yeah, it's uh he, he was one of the guys who I think was kind of not super thrilled with the direction he went. He even said at the masters, like if I had been fully healthy, like I probably wouldn't have done this or it would have been a lot harder of a conversation as uh, his P's go up uh, one goal here over, uh, over, Banks' Vegas Golden Knights, uh, which is tough for Banks. Um, it was a crime yeah, of no, opportunity for Brooks. Like he, that had he to force the issue. That had to force the issue a little bit because, like, going into the season, it's like this was really the first year where those guys were going to be playing in majors, and it's like, what are they going to look like? They're not playing really competitive golf every single week, and like, not only him, but Phil fucking going out and finishing second in the Masters, like that's crazy. And like some of these other guys, like you know, had decent performances. So it sounds like, I mean. It sounds like the competitive Bryson aspect. Played, Bryson of it. played well in the open. Yeah, they, they, he did. They, yeah, Bryson he did. was hot exactly. at times. Yeah, yeah. All these. I mean, a lot of these guys. They they showed that like playing super competitively week to week doesn't necessarily matter for the majors. It, it dispelled the whole fifty four hole and the four you know, the, that you have to be fired up all the time, which never really made sense. I mean, obviously Tiger is literally and figuratively a different animal, but you know it, he would come back from injury. You know, before his car accident and everything, he would play for a while. Would come back in and be a phoenix at events and, and especially at Augusta, of course, but uh, I think it dispelled so much of that, but just, just such an interesting timeline and like watching full swing and knowing that we're going to get the full swing experience out of it. And the fact that like that Brooks episode is just seared into my brain with him all crossed up his hair blonde. Like that is a, in hindsight, that is like, more than you could more than hollywood could conjure to be as cheesy and i'm glad too that his response to that and like i've gone kind of gone back and forth on brooks but i do like i've always really respected him i've really started to like him more because coming out of that i expected him to say like oh well they gave me a fucking bad edit like i'm not a pussy or anything like that but he like at the pga he was like no i'm i'm glad that they did that because that showed you guys like a vulnerable side of me that like you don't really get to see like when i'm not like at tournaments and i'm not you know in the heat of the competition, I'm just like a normal guy. And so like, that was, I thought that was a really cool side of him to see. And I think he's come, come through all this looking like a pretty decent statesman, whereas you have like Mickelson and you have Ian Poulter and Lee Westwood and some of these guys that are just fucking stoking the fires and making this thing like way they're more than older though. So they're just pushing their agenda more and like, fucking, yeah, like giving yeah. fuck you in terms of, they're like legacy. They don't care like that anymore. You know, Phil's already. It's going to be. Yeah. And that's where it's going to be an interesting transition back for some of these guys. And I wonder like if they're going to face a lot more punishment and penalty than some of these other guys like Brooks and like Dustin Johnson and like Cam Smith, where it's like, oh, you guys have been like completely just cool about this and like normal. Like, OK, mm -hmm. we'll make this easier on you than some mm -hmm. of these other dickheads who have been a little more uh, 
a little more uh, testy and, you know, not necessarily the most fun to deal with. Yeah, and you've got the live exec with the quote about calling Rory a little bitch and and all those types of things, which that was seems to be like on on brand with I don't know whatever whatever stigma you want to put with just the entire live energy, just like oh yeah, li- <laughs> Rory that little snowflake, like that whole thing, like come on, um, ooh big hit there, uh, mm. yeah, it's. Um, it's going to be weird. And, and I think Rory was really poignant as he's been throughout the process with, with his quotes yesterday about, um, you know, how he feels like he was a little bit uh, maybe not betrayed, but kind of like a sacrificial lamb. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's going to be weird to try to make things right with the players that, that were loyal to the PGA tour uh, said all the right things, followed the company lines. And then of course he got, um, people like Grayson Murray yelling at the commissioner <laughs> and Rory saying right back, uh, just play better. Like it's crazy to me that Grayson is even, like, I guess he is a PGA tour card. He won a corn Ferry tour event a couple weeks your ago. Guy is on a, your guy's keep, on his bag. Kip. He keeps, uh, yeah, that's true. He, um, he keeps surfacing at these things and he's a relative nobody. It's so bizarre to me. That was the whole thing with all these guys, like at his level, like when the, uh, when they were, those guys were getting mad about the designated events and the top players, like getting all this money, they were like, Oh, well, they're just getting all the money because they're the big names. And it's like, no guys, it's just because they're the best players that they're going to get into these events because they're playing well. The answer is always to just play better, like just fucking play better. And like, you'll be taken care of if you're like, you know, not the 130th best player in the world. Like it's about getting the guys, that deserve the money, the money that they should get. And I don't know. I, those guys. More, Morikawa comes to mind as the one who's like been the quietest, but was obviously offered so much by Liv. I think it was a hundred million dollars was the reported offer for him. I imagine it was probably more than that, to be honest. Yeah, but probably. he has been freaking Switzerland throughout this entire thing. I feel like he's the the most unscathed of anyone and hasn't really played up to his ability this year necessarily as well. And uh, hasn't hasn't been super competitive. But I'm curious to see, like, I don't know, just where guys like him, who, like you said, did toe the to- toe the company line, fall out and get compensated. And like, it's it's I don't know, it's so subjective. But like you said, play better. Where you finish is where you are, which is what the prize money you get is. So it's just I don't know, it's the the perfect cross of subjectivity and objectivity with these guys. And it's so there's gonna be so much to unpack. But I feel like at the same time, like the talk is more than the actual impact is like, I feel like everything's going to feel completely normal next year. No, I think you're right. I think it's going to look very similar. Like I said, to what we've been seeing already the last couple of years. And uh, you know, I'm not expecting a major shakeup. It's just going to be different money and maybe some different faces at the top of the structure. And thanks. You mentioned Grayson calling out Jay Monahan. My God, that guy is fucking, (laughs) I mean, he has had a tough year. Like he was basically like, what pisses me off for Rory about all this is that he was the one that was going out there talking to the media and being sort of the face of this for an entire year while playing golf and while winning tournaments and while only losing to 14 or 15 guys or whatever in majors last year, just a crazy season of golf that he played. Uh, didn't win a major obviously, which sucks, but he, he played amazing on top of being the spokesman for the tour throughout all this while Monaghan just kind of cowered in the shadows, except for when he didn't cower in the shadows and he brought the nine 11 families into it. He made this whole moral stance. And then all of a sudden that doesn't matter. Jay Monaghan is fucking persona non grata i mean some of the succession references the last couple days with all this have been kind of crowbarred in but him as tom Wamsgans, i think that is a good comparison thanks 
Yeah, it's it's kind of an upside down one too, where he uh, he starts as kind of the face and the head of things, and now he's probably a puppet of somebody else. Um, but yeah, it's just the quote. It's it's kind of an all time quote. Um, it's right up there with probably a lot of the uh, lot of the uh, like steroid congr- congressional hearing type of quotes, where it's just like, yeah, him saying, yeah, well. Uh, I, I said what I said, you know, with the information at the time, uh, and the information changed, uh, just like, um, I won't call it a masterclass cause it's so despicable, but it's was just kind of like, okay, this is, this is the message you you just are cornered into saying at this point in time. Cause you just have zero ground to stand on based on everything you've said in the past. Yeah. The money kind of always tends to win out in literally everything. And that's what happened here. And I guess it shouldn't be that surprising, but like, it's the fact that he let it get to that point and looping those people in when, you know, he abs- absolutely did not have to do that and didn't have to make it a moral thing. It didn't have to say, oh, well, you've never had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour. Like, I don't know. I kind of was behind all that at the time. And I was like, yeah, like, fuck, yeah, like make that argument because it's true. But, you know, when you when you go back on that, you look even maybe even worse than some of these other uh, bad actors involved. And I am no fan of Jay Monahan right now. I don't know that anybody really is like who, who is the one standing up and, and backing this guy at this point? It's funny, funny enough. Rory is right. Like he's going out there and yeah. like kind of defending him. It's, it's like Rory, like you're a nice guy. It's stop being so fucking nice to this jackass. Like look what he just did to you, man. Get a little, get a little <sighs> pissed off. I don't know if he's still cornered or not. Like could he have gone in? Like, cause there's, there's really no side left to go on at this point. And he's, he's more or less, explain that he's kind of resigned to his fate to a degree with this whole thing. Um, He's, I think that the phrase was, he came to terms with it a while ago. So um, I don't know. I feel like there was no, there was no other option. Ultimately. That's what I I feel like this, the Saudis were always going to outlast and outpay and outspend and it's inevitable. And I think like, I don't know it, you want to blame the PGA for it, but I feel like they were just the most vulnerable to it out of the kind of, I guess, not that golf's an American sport, but like major American sports. And like the NFL specifically has language that prevents private funds like that from bidding on teams and stuff. But yeah, eventually, we'll and I think exactly the, the number, and I think they talked about this on, on part of my take was like the number is just going to keep going up and up and up until it's like, well, only so many people can actually afford to purchase this entity. So it, it sucks, yeah, but I just feel like he had no other option. It was going no, to. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. But like he should. The problem is he he didn't take the any hypocrisy of those meetings of it. a couple of years. He didn't take any of those meetings a couple of years ago. And then he played the fucking the, the emotional card if you're an American. The... He played he played the nuclear card if you're an American, which was to get 9-11 into it. He didn't have to do that. And then now all of a sudden he's eating shit literally a year to the day, pretty much. It was at the same tournament that he did that a year ago today. And it's just like, man, like. That's just that is fucking pretty bad. But it's funny because like Jimmy Dunn is the the guy who really made this deal happen. And he's kind of like basically the shadow commissioner of the tour. And he's like a private equity guy who lost like his entire firm in 9-11. They were like in the one of the Twin Towers and like he wasn't there that day, I guess. Um, And so he's lost a ton of people, obviously, and sort of defined his life. And apparently he was the one who sort of really made this deal happen. And then he went on like. I forget what it was today. It might've been golf channel or something. And he was kind of like, yeah, you know, we, we got to move on. And like, I've come to terms with it. And like, if I meet any, and like, I'm convinced that 
these guys that we're dealing with had nothing to do with it. And if I meet anyone, I'll kill them myself. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay. Like this is where we're going with this. Uh, strange, strange times indeed. And uh, like I said, I really think it's only the beginning with American sports with this kind of stuff. They're already involved in F1 and in soccer and everything. And this just kind of feels like the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it's just, it's just been a long road. And um, I think it just comes back to the fact um, like you mentioned early on with Gardner that, um, he, people, there were a few select people that foresaw that the, the tour as a whole, they were vulnerable, um, just as a, a structure, as a model. Um, <clears throat> and it, it was their nonprofit status. Like they're jeopardizing that they're throwing that out the window. Um, it, it's, it's, some people are labeling it as free agency has finally come to golf and, and it's, you can't exactly compare it to another sport in the same vein, but in some ways it's definitely empowered the players more. And I think that was an end goal um, that uh, really was a, um, a leverage point that um, the PIF took advantage of in order to kind of position themselves where they're at now. Yep. These are, uh, these are some savvy, savvy individuals that we're dealing with. So it's uh, interesting times, but uh, any, any other final thoughts on any of this Spenjamin? I'm just excited to see where the chips fall. I think it was a, a big hoopla and a, a very contentious, weird branch in the, like the history of the tree of the PGA and of golf. And I feel like it's such a fleeting moment that could have such like it could have huge ramifications or it could just kind of not like it could just be a shuffling of the power ultimately and of the, the revenue streams and benefit the players a little i'm just curious in 2028 if we look back and we're like yeah that was kind of like a big hoopla about nothing a little bit and it didn't have like this major impact it just kind of changed the players that were you know benefiting and, and running the table a little bit more but at the end of the day the power will always be in the players hands if you want to make money off of owning equity in this sport however you want to put it you need guys like scotty scheffler who are going low and are that much better and are that much bolder and capable of dominance. You know, the John Roms, the Rory's, the Brooks's right now. So um, those guys are the ones who hold the power. The purses, suddenly they whip up an extra 20% to put into the purses. Like Hovland won $2 million more, like over double what uh, I think it was, what Cantlay or maybe Patrick Reed won two years ago, something like that at the, the Memorial or excuse me, whatever tournament was as we can getting everything crossed up, but just curious to see, hopefully it just benefits the players and you know, the, the entertainment value only continues to go up. I think it did take some of the stuffiness. Like maybe that's what we'll remember that everyone like, Oh shit, live or shorts and had Fisher DJ. And it was like a fun event that people enjoyed going to the stuffiness doesn't have to be there. And that's our generation, right? The younger millennials, the, the Gen Z, we love athleisure. We love keeping it casual, keeping it cool, but you know, still, still going to the max, still competing and all of those things. So I think it's a nice facelift potentially going into our generation, becoming the primary cash cow, right? We're going to be in our forties and fifties soon. Who, who consumes golf us in, as we're, we're getting into that age range there. So very interesting again, 2028, just curious to see what we'll be thinking about this time. Could be, could be a lot, could be a little. Thanks. Final thoughts. I, I just still 
it's been a couple of days to try to digest it. And it's still hard to wrap my head around just like the entire, I mean, it's an ongoing saga, but it's, it's been from Riviera last year with uh, the scary motherfuckers comment to getting to where we're at now. Just uh, it's been such a roller coaster. Shout out to Shipnuck. He had uh, he got that for his one book that he wrote about Phil, and then he's got this live book yeah. that he literally just finished as this news broke. Now he's got to go back. Great book. I don't know if you read it. I did. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I don't. I I wouldn't consider myself much of a fan of Shipnuck himself, but um, it was a good book. I like him. What, what do you got against Shipnuck? He's a little pompous. I get that vibe. I got that vibe, and I'm gonna. I'm going to do that Banks thing that I do sometimes. When I was at the media tent at the right. Tour Championship, of course, uh, he just kind of had that vibe to him, like he was above everybody else. And, um, you know, I get that there's a pecking order in that whole world, but, um, yeah. Interesting. I've always thought he's come across pretty well. I'm not a big Shackleford guy. I know – well, I know that's – No, I don't know that there's many big Shackleford guys, but yeah, it's not especially, an demo. Especially not you, yeah. <laughs> yeah i went tit for tat with him a little bit during the uh the open championship i think uh maybe not last year but the year before maybe yeah yeah what a weird yeah, yeah i think we might have we might have shared a few texts about that yeah when that was going on um but yeah okay that's enough golf talk golf podcast how about that about 40 minutes on uh on all that but hey i mean that's probably the biggest story in sports right now right how are we doing i want to wait for eric on the orioles how, how are we t- doing with all this smoke nonsense <laughs> uh, I've been inside. I've just straight up been inside. I'm uh, I'm not a fan. I can taste it. If I can taste the air, and I'm not in like Orlando in a swamp, then I'm I'm staying inside. Tutu and I have been indoors. Is it up much to do about nothing overall? I mean, I don't know. Like, I. I, I cannot say, and I think when I say this, it, that's going to be pretty obvious. I have not read up much about like what this really is. Just looks yeah. kind of foggy out. There's a haze, obviously. Um, but isn't it just basically, and I don't want to diminish the what it actually is. It's a big-ass wildfire. It's dangerous. It's, yeah. it's uh, destructive. But, um, man, I'm really getting myself into one here. Um, getting yourself into some like a hot massive- water. It's uh, it's a massive. It's just like a massive campfire, right? Like we've all been around campfire. It's just like a big one, you know. It's just up there. We've all kind of, you know. I mean, this is what Cal- this is what California has been dealing with for our entire life. So that's been, that's point, been really great to see the uh, the performative or like the competitive. Like, oh, you fuck, like you fucking East Coasters. Like we deal with this shit every year. It's like you guys aren't for- used to fire and smoke. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like we get it, dude. You're on the 405, and you have to deal with fucking wildfire smoke. Like that's You've kind never of the price. Your house fall down a mountain in a mudslide before. What is wrong with you, East Coasters? Yeah, that's the price you pay for like living out there and it being perfect, like 95 percent of the rest of the time. So the weather's great, but my entire tectonic life could shift at any given moment. My house has gone in a mudslide. The fires have wiped out all of my backyard. But hey, it is 73 and there is no humidity here. Stuart, are you on the Earth's crust right now? Is it opening up? What are you doing here? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 been kind of not good for me. I don't know, like maybe I'm just like maybe it's something else, but my face has been itchy and my eyes have been really watery. It's not good. It's not kosher. 
Doesn't, you ever get that? Your face kosher. itches a lot. I get I get itchy eyes. The I just got out of pollen season, like this week probably. I finally stopped sneezing and having to take an allergy pill every day. So as soon as we get out of allergy season, it's a nice big dust bowl coming down from Quebec and uh, spit, <clears throat> spitting uh, in our faces. What's the timeline on this thing dissipating? I, I I don't know if it does it just kind of float out to the Atlantic Sea and it's just like a you know like a. When is the fire going to stop? I think it's probably the question there. Is that part of it? Yeah. Yeah. I I think like for for here specifically, I think we just need some rain to like dissipate it, which I think we were talking with Eric the other day. It hasn't rained in a while. And I don't know when the forecast is for the next storm, but it doesn't seem like anytime soon. So I saw like the the smoke is supposed to stay through Friday. Yeah. I think Tony Pan was saying like by the weekend, it should have cleared up here, but we'll see. Yeah. We are due for a little storm. Yeah, we could use a little something of any sort, you know. Um, they say rain is a good thing. Somebody said that once. That's what I was saying. Eric's a dad. He's going to be looking out the window and saying, Lord knows we needed this. That's a great point. That's we great needed point. it. Is that all we got on the smoke? I said it affects the, the birds game tomorrow. Yeah, that's kind Sorry. of yeah, that's sort of – no, you're fine. I mean, that's sort of another thing. They're uh, They're saying that they hope. Uh, in quotes, to be able to play uh, at least tomorrow. And, the, you know, I think they said this weekend, too, like, will we be able to get all these games in? Fingers Good. crossed. Nationals, Nationals got canceled out today. We've got uh, we've got NBA Finals going on as well. We've got the, the Joker, man, been out of control, putting up 27, 41, 32, 21 boards, 11 boards, 10 boards, 14 assists, 4 assists, 10 assists. Just absolutely destroying. One of the greatest playoff performances of all time, definitely. We'll see where the series ends up. I, I think it's in five or six for sure, but definitely been fun to watch. And uh, hearing all the the crazy hijinks of heat culture and all that good stuff continuing on through. Uh, There's only the second eight seed to ever play in a finals in NBA history. So I think that's pretty cool in the, for the heat to, to put up that way. Parody is back in basketball, very much so, which is a good thing. Yeah, I think those Warriors dynasties, I kind of wondered like if it was ever going to happen again. And it certainly uh, seems to in a big way. I haven't been big in NBA lately, especially like with these finals. Like these games start so fucking late, dude. Like I, I want to start like getting into it, but it's just like it's like nine nine thirty tip off. I'm like, God damn, uh, this is wild. This Jennifer Lawrence movie looks out of control. Well, has she wild? done anything all that recently? I don't think so, and this looks like kind of a comeback for her, and it looks very provocative. Uh, uh, provocative? Yeah. I, I'm probably 15 seconds behind your feet. Oh, that, that part looks provocative. Is this a Hulu has live sports situation? This is a Hulu has live sports situation. Oh, I hate that. Um, but, yeah, the, no, these games start way too late. Like, we got to we gotta figure this out. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence was in Don't Look Up not too long ago. Oh, that's true. That's true. I didn't. Watch I think that. she did some other film uh, novel adaptation. That seems like one you seems like one you would very much watch. It's got all the people that I like, but it's just like, yeah, I get it. Climate change, like, cool. Like, ah, there's I, more to it I, than that. I'm way higher on that movie than I think anyone I've ever talked to about it. I, I I fall asleep to that movie sometimes. I really like it a lot. Interesting. A lot of good lines in there. It's a little too on the nose at points, and it is kind of cheesy, but it's hilarious. And 
I like, it just uh, a, I like it's Adam McKay, right? He directed it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it's it. It's just a nice, like, I mean, uh, nice. If you were to take 2021 and wrap it up in saran wrap and stick it in the dishwasher and shrink it down, it would be that movie. Okay. Fair enough. It's a nice point of the time. Look at that handsome man coming in here, hot. The What's up? Man. Checking in. You're you're glowing, dude. You really are. Yeah, my when my other screen is on, I feel like I'm like ascending into heaven at times here. It's like just glows on. Then when you I like if I turn that away, I become a lot darker. So it's kind of my like light for these purposes. Because I don't really do anything on it while I'm doing this. But mm. how are you guys doing? We're good. We're just talking a little. Uh, don't look up. Mm. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any quick hitters on on the golf situation? We just kind of wrap that up, but. Um, you know, if we, had a, we had a substantive discussion on that. Sure. I mean, yeah. at the risk, I'm sure, of repeating you what you guys said, and I'm sure this is what was put out. I mean, it feels like very early in the in the like coming together of these two things. If it happens. To me, if it happens. To me, though, like, I, I, you know, I care about the, the like week-to-week PGA Tour events sort of. But I came to this conclusion yesterday when I sort of like read a bunch about it. And I like I do care about the inner workings. It's a very interesting situation. But ultimately, as like a viewer, as like a straight fan, there's really four tournaments in the year that I really truly care about. And other than those four, however they get to the other competition, I is kind of fine with me. Like if it's very similar to the PJ Tour and they're paid by the Saudis, I'm going to care about it as about as much as I did before at this point, I think. Like I want to like make a big stand about like, you know, where the money's coming from, but I watch F1 and that has Aramco sponsorships everywhere. And I watch premier league and the same Piff owns Newcastle and they play games that I watch. And I'm sure they're just going to continue to fund other things. WWE. I'm a huge WWE guy that they're running events two times a year in Saudi Arabia and they're invested in the company. So it's like, you know, you just resign yourself to it. Like that's what, and we, Rory used that word. He was like, I've just kind of resigned to it. And like, I've sort of like, I was very much against like it coming into golf if they could avoid it, but they just, they can't avoid it. And yeah, you're right. Like eventually it's just, it's just going to be everywhere. So just get used to it. I mean, yeah. So it's like, I think it's fascinating. If I was, I'm fascinated to see what happens to Jay Monahan. That's honestly the most interesting part of it to me. Like, (laughs) can you remain there as the leader when there's clear uproar among your, most important constituents, although maybe at this point the players aren't the most important constituents. Whoever can fund the 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 tour is really the most important, and that's at Saudi Arabia or the PIF. You know, it's weird. It's, it's you know, it's the PIF. Um, it just say Saudi Arabia, but it, technically the PIF. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, like it, it's it's fa- it's definitely fascinating. It's a spe- it's a fascinating sports story, but um, I hope I, it would just be funny if Greg Norman got left behind. I think that's one of like my main takeaways. I think that would be hilarious if he like has stuck his neck out for like the same the same thing like four times, and then like it happens and he just gets like left in a lurch. Um, I do feel bad for someone like Rory. I think that that dude essentially carried the water for something that ultimately that like moral morality just didn't exist among really anybody that he was defending. I kind of feel bad for that guy. And there's some other dudes that have done it. JT Homa, some of those other guys. Um. But, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it was, it's crazy. It's now what I, I, I think um, I was listening, was, I was listening to the, the No Laying Up guys the other day and they were saying like, it lo- I thought that was a fake CNBC account when I initially saw it. I was like, that's a fake account. That's same. Same. It was random like CNBC. It was like for one of their shows, I think, because like they literally like, 
Yasser and Jay Monahan like went on CNBC as they were putting that tweet out. So I guess they like organized it and like that was like for one of the show accounts or something. And I saw it. And yeah. Like, what? And I, yeah. And it's like, you're right. I was clicking through it like Elon, did you uh, did you fuck us here again a little bit? Like uh, I did that with the Jameson Hensley Lamar contract tweet. And uh, no, it was very much uh, very much real. And um, it's fascinating because CNBC is just like clearly the go to place for people of a certain area in business to like break news like this is the essentially the exact same way the wwe ufc merger broke like it was like an early morning announcement and then an appearance on i think the same cnbc show like, it's I funny because uh Monaghan, with the when, Vince McMahon uh, interview. It was like the same exact process and the news was just as shocking when covid was like literally bucking its head and monahan went on that cnbc show i think that program like during the players championship that year when everything was shutting down and he was like we're not going to shut down and like the markets are like crashing behind him like on the, <laughs> like all the board it's like one of the like it's just this infamous visual and that was like kind of maybe one of the first uh, moments where it's like all right maybe this guy is like maybe not a great wartime commissioner and uh man he uh i think proved himself to be very much that yeah, it is crazy. I mean, it is crazy that in a world where everything leaks, this didn't leak at all, which yeah. tells you how few people were involved and also could, I think, lead to its demise because it's clear that maybe they weren't advised in the right way to where now there's all this antitrust stuff um, that will come into play. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I mean, I think the normal person that's not that – like, this is one of, always one of those things where like you can be really invested and um, ultimately like the casual person is – probably going to tune into the same tournaments they always did no matter what and those are the four tournaments that matter like i said before but yeah I, yeah it's 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 very interesting um and then like i said the monahan thing to me is the most interesting part because who i mean i don't really know what he was supposed to say i was like sometimes i think about this as like trying to do pr and i'm like what would i have told jay monahan to say and i was thinking about it yesterday and i was like i mean there's nothing to say i mean <laughs> you just play the 911 <laughs> clips and you just sound like a clown like there's really no i mean he he came out and he was like i understand a lot of people are going to think that i'm a hypocrite and like he addressed all of that in his comments or whatever but like who's who remember that in five yeah. years i mean and, and the other thing is like He's the sometimes you just, punch, you know, he's, you just he's take the punches here. and it is what it is. Like you just, yeah. you know, Hey, that's, that's kind of what I said is like, what card did he have to play? Like you can either you're at a certain point, you're such a gigantic hypocrite that you have no choice, but to can just call spade to spade and say, well, I can see I, how I come across as a hypocrite here, but you know, my facts, my facts are different than when I said those yeah. things. It's like, Really, the only card he had to play there. There's, there's nothing um, you can do. You're, you're you're dead at that point. Yeah, it's wild. And yeah, I mean, like the tour events, like you made a good point with them, Taylor. Like I've already kind of started to think of them just as like a tiebreaker, really, for guys that are winning majors. So like when, you know, Rory had four and Brooks had four, it's like, okay, well, Rory's got the tiebreaker because he's got more tour wins. And now Brooks has five. And I think of Brooks ahead of Rory uh, in my all-time rankings, probably. Um, so yeah, I mean, like they've, they're not that significant to begin with, really, when you think about the context of the larger sport. And uh, now it's who even knows what they're going to feel like moving forward. But uh, we do welcome in uh, the fifth member of the show. How's it going, Eric? I'm still really itchy after my haircut. Oh, God. <laughs> Damn. But we're good. This is an interesting interesting visual. You You're a little choppy there, too. Do you too, not? So. You, you get. You, I know. You get itchy after a haircut, obviously. Some of us. It's, pro yeah. it's probably itchier. It's itchier when you get it that tight. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not. 
Yeah, I haven't gone that tight in like a decade, but there aren't I a had lot a of like, today, and I'm not itchy at all. I have no. Eric, no you just do yourself like me. Well, there aren't a lot of positive back. connotations when you're like, "Hey, how you doing?" And someone's like, "I'm still itchy." It's like that's not. I mean, that's not. <laughs> we, were just <laughs> about, we were just talking about the. Uh, we were just talking about the smoke, and I was telling them my face and my eyes itch. So a lot of wow. my eyes were killing me today too. Yeah. <laughs> to your point, Taylor, that was a very like Kramer way of entering conversation. I'm still itchy. I'm still itchy. The applause yeah, is going in the background. He says I'm still itchy. Have you guys have, talked like, about the air quality? Has that into been, the screen? Has that yeah, been we talked about it briefly? Yeah. You got any takes on that? With the smoke? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's been tough. I I feel for I feel for the people of Canada. I mean, how could you not? Tough has, situation. Has anyone? Thanks. Do you feel for the people? Is anyone Canada? dying from these? <laughs> of course, these fires or anything. I don't think so. It was like a controlled you know? burn, wasn't it? Oh, is it? I thought it's it was a campfire. Maybe just got just away a, from him. Just a big ass campfire. Well, because I didn't know. I was like, there's a lot of people making fun of this and making jokes, and I was like, I hope nobody's dying because this would be pretty inconsiderate on Twitter. But doesn't sound people like being it. inconsiderate. Well, you look yeah, great. Haircut, never, by the way, you do. The haircut looks nice, Eric. Thank you, thank you. Again, I was. It was getting long. I go two all over. I make it nice and easy for Wayne the barber. Just I mean, beard, head, everything. Two all over. Is this? Are you doing the hot towel? And yeah. he's like coming up behind you and that kind of thing. Does he have the multicolored yeah, the, the hot lather on the neck? You know, down here, a little on the cheeks. You know, it was a good old time. Love that. It's a good old time. Well, it's very nice. Good to have you on. Glad, glad you're here. Now we've been, uh, we've been kind of waiting for you to get some, uh, some Orioles takes. Big win today. Interesting, uh, interesting road stand there. Three and three out on the road against some pretty solid NL teams. How are we, uh, how are we feeling this evening? I mean, they were sleepwalking for their seven innings of that game, and it was like shit. They hadn't been swept since Adley came up. I think they showed the stat during the game. I don't know if anyone else saw it. It's been like 58 series or something since they got swept, which is like kind of crazy. Since May of 2022 against the Tigers. Adley. Yeah. Never which, been swept with Adley. Yeah. It's, it's the Adley effect. Um, but yeah, I mean, then, you know, we were bitching and complaining. I was kind of leading the charge on Twitter complaining, which I never do. And I mean, it just, it, it, it unraveled for the Brewers. And, you know, they went into the game. What was it? Um, Tuesday, I guess they had the lead in the eighth, and and again, we were we're one pitch away from another two out of three. But good time for the Royals to be coming in. I'll be at games tomorrow and Saturday. Um, so again, it could be a very fun weekend in, in Camden Yards. I hope so. It's the perfect team to rebound against. Um, I know in the past teams like this have given the Orioles fits, so let's hope that this doesn't turn into one of those. But uh, yeah, it was it was that was a, that was a, it was a weird game. It was an exciting game. I know Spenny and I were going nuts over Gunner. I still don't know how that ball went out. I, I thought that that ball was just fouled back. Like, like up there, like he's just sawing one off. Upper third, a third off the plate, and he just threw threw hands at it. Nuts. And he smacked it. That was a no-doubter. That was a 30 out of 30. I just sent you another, Eric, in the private chat that I think Luis oh, yeah. Robert just hit another dead straight home run, three in two days, it looks like. The, no. the smoke going on here. We're no. in, it's in the private chat. Yes, there's a third. Look at what it donk. This is all the same guy. 
No, it's uh, not the same guy. But there's been three dead straight, perfectly over second base, perfectly middle home runs in the last two days. I did so see. You I think the simulation is starting to show. I think that's what the smoke is. The simulation starting to show. There's all these perfectly straight home runs. It- the world's the world's crumbling. We're on the Truman Show. It's it's one of my favorite things to to, to look at on Twitter. I don't know if anyone else even like looks at that at it like that. The wooded dong, and I just I just I want the perfect straight line home run. And and like you said, spent we've had three within the last twenty four hours. Is incredible. Alex Barnett in the comments here in the comments, great comment. Would have been the first opposite field home run in Baltimore if hit <laughs> since it was a no doubter. Great comment for sure. Mm. And Gunner Gunner displayed a ton of full field power in the minors and has been a, a pull dog pretty much this whole season. So that was super interesting to see. Would love to see him start using the full field a little bit more. Adley's Adley's been so good. I'll get started today, too, with yet another Adley Rushman infield hit, him just hounding down the line uh, as well. So that, that's been out of control lately. I kind of started to make fun of him in the beginning of the season because I feel like he thinks he's way faster than he is. But dude's just been hustling those infield hits down, man. And for a catcher he can, at his age, at his caliber, to be doing it is nuts. Definitely. You can't teach hustle, he can man. Move. He's got it. Some people that's don't. for sure. Still looking for this. There it is. I I think I, that's a yeah that's another dead dead center home run. Damn. It might be like a ninety nine point five percent center. It looks like I was I was looking at it for a, I think my eyes were starting to cross after a while. But it looks like Luis Robert just hit yet another perfectly middle middle home run. Mm. Love to hear that. Feels like three and three is about right for the road trip. I think if you're coming back from these type of road trips, 500, you feel pretty good at this point. Yeah, and and again, especially, I mean, you know, they have not been playing the best baseball in the last, I guess, if you want to call it week, two weeks, and they're still, what are they, four and a half back of the race? Like, they're not losing much ground at all, which is, again, like, that's that's the name of the game right now. Like, as long as you can keep up, keep pace. Yeah, well, never mind. They're six and a half back, so never <laughs> mind. They're they're the Raids. Raids won six straight, so there we go. But that, but, but that's okay. But again, like, yeah, that back is, you know, not bad at all. They're still fourteen yeah, like games you, above five hundred. You take that any day. You yeah, you feel fine. Like I think at this point good. in that spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the Rays are uh, the Rays are absolutely filthy but yeah i like i i'm totally with all that i do think it's time for some reinforcements here i mean you've got these guys absolutely just clowning triple a at this point bring up at least one of them hopefully this weekend maybe a little bit after at the latest and uh see what you can do i mean we're, we're getting to the, the midway point of the season there i think it's about that time it, it'll it'll be interesting to see what they did with Cowser because when they brought him back from the injury they said you know, he was only going to play six innings and then seven innings, and they were going to kind of, kind of limit him. Um, but all he does is hit. Like, he's, he's healthy. He's fine. Like, the quad isn't an issue. So, again, it's like, well, what do you do? So, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would really, really like it if they brought them. Because, again, it's like they need – I don't know. Today they seem fat and stale. And, it's, again, it could be the end of a long road trip or a six-game road trip. But you're in San Fran, and then you're in Milwaukee. Um, I don't know. I mean, calling a guy up like that, again, it could – inject a little juice into them so 
we'll see. I, I, I don't know what they do. Um, and then, you know, it, it's like I kind of wanted to see what Kerstad was going to do this week, and they haven't been able to play. I think they played tonight. I got to check, but they haven't been able to play because of the, uh, the, the smoke. So let's, uh, you know, I, I'm interested to see how adjust to Triple um, um, A because someone said he's kind of on the same track as Gunner. Gunner got called up the first week of June last year to Triple A. And obviously, we saw him in September. So now it's like, ooh, could we maybe get a little taste of, uh, you know, a Heston Kirsten in September? I, I, you know, I don't know if it's completely out of the question. That feels transferable, you know, if he stays healthy. Yeah. And it's like Which he has. So you're also not going to keep a guy like Kirstad in AAA for very long just because he's a fast moving college bat like that's a guy you want in the majors very quickly you're not not like waiting around to see if he can do it like he's 24 years old the top top pick yeah he's a yeah he's a top like you're bringing that guy to the bigs as quickly as possible to to figure out to figure it out like you're not you're, you know he's he's even a little different than gunner the fact you could have waited on gunner theoretically I mean, he's 20 like this guy's a mm-hmm. top three pick as a college bat like you're trying to get him to the bigs and see i mean cows are sort of the same thing like if he's clearly going to say Cowser like, is identical, almost. it's the, the identical thing. Like you're not waiting until this guy's 26 years old. Like you're trying to get him up there. And if he's, you know, hitting, if he's mashing at every other level, you might like, there's really at this point, no reason to be, for, except for numbers, whatever they're trying to do to bring up, you have to bring up Cowser. I mean, he's just mashing in the minors at every level and he's 23. Does he turn 24 this year? He um, has already turned. No, he turned 23 this year. So like, I mean, you may as well, like you said, you know, Jake, you sort of referred to it as reinforcements. You might as well infuse, you know, this place with a guy that is just, you know, no one's going to question why he's up. I mean, mashed in college, he's mashed every level in, in the minors. I would Kerstad, imagine he's gonna be a pretty good major league hitter. Kerstad destroyed in spring training, too, which mm-hmm. was interesting. He hit, yep. I think, like right around 400 and was crushing the ball. So makes a ton of sense. Adley. Kerstad and Cows are all top picks, all elite level college hitters, and ex- just spot on, like you said, Taylor. Those guys aren't supposed to be in the minors very long. They're supposed to be on the, like, exactly like you said, no one's questioning it. They've had their amateur career just be in college and excelled at it. So, um, a lot more and fired up about that. I just, I don't know. I think there's so many people out there right now who are like, all right, the Orioles are struggling a little bit. Let's get Westberg and Ortiz and Cowser up. Now and then it's like okay, then over half your starting lineups rookies while you're 14 games over 500. I I don't know. Um, the one that would have made sense is Ortiz, but I think the Ramon Urias today breaking out today, having what a three hit yes. day, home run, massive day. Double I am the number one. I'm the number one Jorge Mateo apologist and like fan. I think he has so much talent. I'm I'm done with him at this point. Like I, I think Brandon Hyde's comments were that today was an off day, and that Jorge's still the guy. Your thing, what you what you're supposed to do here. This is the playbook. You have to say, "Don't let Jorge Mateo get hot," and then you do that for months on end, maybe even years on end. Even if he's being paid twenty five to thirty million a year, every time there's a little blip on a radar, <laughs> you just got to ride it out. Yeah, I think that didn't really work for you, though. So, like, no, 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 there were stretches. There's there were stretches where it yeah, worked for him. Correct. If COVID didn't come in and disrupt the 2020 season when he was tearing it apart in spring training, 
when he was clearly getting hot, the league let him get hot. Like it would have been over for those hoes, but you know, how, how many more years is he on the books, by the way? <laughs> um, I think I'm sorry. I don't know. I think it's I, I was rude. And I interrupted Spenny when he was, he was rolling there. So, Oh no, you're good. Uh, Mateo. Anytime we can get Chris Davis talking, we got to get it. <laughs> Mateo is a UFA. He, this is his first year of arbitration. He has two more years of arbitration. He's a UFA in 2026. And I think he's a great bench player. I think he's so talented. I was like ecstatic when he had his breakout. I thought he would get cold like this, but watching Urias be able to be a gold glove level third baseman and then give you quality at bats right now is just such a lift um, and ended up making the difference. If they did trot Mateo out there today, I would assume that it didn't go their way. Mateo's picked it up a little bit as of late, but I really want to see Goner at short, Urias at third, let those guys rock, bring up Kowser in the next couple weeks. And I think quiet everything out after that and like let that be the deal. I know people want Westberg, but it's like, I don't know. Let's get some level of continuity of like veteran players, competent players that have some ABs. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't want to overwhelm the big league team with a bunch of young guys while they're competing so hard and winning so much. But Kowser at this point is a plus arm, a plus fielder. Gives you the range. Like Hicks, Hicks has been productive, but like we'll see how long that lasts. And I don't know. Leave Urias over there. Bring up Kowser. Let's let's charge through the rest of June. Yeah, the Mate, the Mate, I, the Mateo stuff is tough to look at right now. I mean, his slash line in the last thirty games is one forty nine, one eighty two, one eighty one. I mean, that is <laughs> that is tough. That's, I mean, that's disgusting. Yeah, I mean it is. I mean, it, it so it's we had that discussion whatever it was a month ago during his really hot streak. And we're like, okay, this is, you know, sort of like you said, Spenny, like this is going to crash at some point. But the question is like, where does it level off? And it does it level off as like, he's a very good player. Like he was playing great, like legitimately great. Does he level off as a very good player, like a good player that you could potentially like use as trade bait, or does it totally fall off a cliff? And he kind of goes back to what he's been in his career, which is like this tantalizing talented prospect who, only puts together for short stretches and he has gone back to being a very tantalizing talented guy who put it together for a short stretch. And now he's not even really valuable on the trade market. If he plays like this, which I think if you're Mike Elias, I, you think you were probably loving the way he was trending. Cause you're like, well, at the very least we can trade him and maybe get a little bit out of him Cause we have all these guys behind him. Um, I know we briefly talked about like, why would you not just keep this guy around? But I mean, now it's becoming pretty clear as an everyday player. Like you said, good, pretty good bench guy, kind of versatile, gives you like some speed and some different things off the bench. But as an everyday player, um, what a change it's been, you know, in a month's time where he has just absolutely, you know, he's off the edge of the Grand Canyon at this point from a numbers perspective. Even and beyond that to me, just super quickly was like the epitome of it was Brandon Hyde made a comment that he's like swinging for show that he was basically trying to murder the ball and it completely ruined his approach. Then on what Tuesday, I think in the top of the tent, they have him try to bunt twice, like takes two strikes, can't move the runner over, can't bunt. Uh, it, it's just like the numbers are fine. Getting cold is fine, but just like Adam Frazier to me, is a good veteran, like a fine veteran, because he gets the fucking job done. He will move runners over. He will bunt. He will be consistent day to day. Like, you know what you're going to get. 
Mateo, you can't count on to do the little things well enough to win games right now. Mm -hmm. He can't move runners over. He can't be reliable for you. And when you've got Gunner, who has a plus-plus arm, has, what, a 65, I think a 65 or 70 arm, and is more comfortable at short. You've got Ortiz. You've got all these guys coming up behind, like, I hate to say it, I, like I'm a huge Jorge Mateo guy, but he's he's just out of leash at this point. And when you are chasing the Rays, you're getting into the dog days of summer up here soon. You need a Urias that you can count on to be productive in the lineup over him. And really Ortiz. I mean, Ortiz looked like a freaking professional out there. He looked like he was able to, to play situational baseball, was a freaking vacuum cleaner defensively. And it's it's time. I'm sorry to say, Jorge Mateo, it's time to time to move on, get productive at bats and uh, enable the Orioles to win. I, I think Jim Palmer, to end my rant here, I think Jim Palmer said they're 24-1 and one when they score four runs, something like that, and wow. they're 10-13. and 13. They're 10-13 and 13 when they don't, which is still very good. Like That's really good when you score three or less runs. But if you can get to four, that bullpen will put you away, pretty much is what that mm-hmm. says. So what? Did- sorry, Jorge. Did you see the stat today about when Cano and Bautista pitch? I think they were 14 and three in those games, yeah. which means, you know, you think if you're getting both those guys in the game. I just thought that was pretty crazy um, to see that. And then, um, real quick, going back to Westberg a little bit, my buddy I've talked about, he's on the ground for the tide. So he's around the players, he's gotten to know them. And I asked him, I said, you know, I said, what, what's Westberg's attitude? You know, like, how is he as like a person? I said, is he walking around pissed off every day at the ballpark because he's not up and he knows he should be. And he goes, no, it's the opposite. Like he knows, like he's producing, he knows how good he is and he knows like his number's going to get called, but he knows like until that time, I'm just going to have to keep playing. Cause again, I didn't know he was coming to the ballpark every day being like, Oh, I, you know, I don't even want to be here. Why am I still here? Kind of pouting around. And he was like, no, 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 it's the opposite. Like he almost, you know, he just wants to play so well every single day regardless of if he's at Aberdeen or, or Norfolk or Baltimore, which again, I was like, that's, you know, I was like, that's awesome because I'm sure some guys would get kind of pissed off. Like I'm sure he hears a noise. I'm sure he sees Mateo's numbers and is like, the fuck do I got to keep doing to, to get my call? But my buddy said he is like, he said, he's not going to be a guy that you have to worry about with, with an attitude like that or anything. And so I, I thought so that was some, pretty uh, neat. Some, to, uh, potentially some to Carl Havoc vibes there. Yeah, like I don't even want to be here anymore. Like I mean, we, in Norfolk. When we, I remember when we had Grayson on. I don't remember which time. I think we asked him a question to that extent, to where it was like, "Hey, do you ever like think about it when you feel like you could be up and you're not?" And he sort of said that similar thing, where I was like, "No, I just like know if I keep going at this level, like I'm going to get there eventually." And I would love to know if that is, you know, those guys just individually having a good head on their shoulders and having that perspective or whether organizationally they're like doing a good job communicating with guys and being like, hey, like we see it, like we have a plan or the, or the plan is clearly communicated because it feels like everyone's kind of like pulling from the same side of the rope all through the organization in terms of like, I think you said that about multiple guys already T where it's like they're down, but they have like, you know, they, they, you know, want to be up there, but you know, they feel good about how things are going and they're just going about their work. Like, I wonder if that's just them being able to identify guys that keep it together on that level, or they do a very good job. I have no idea. This is just me straight speculating, or they do a very good job. Like, you know, talking guys through, you know, what a two-year plan looks like or what a three-year plan. Cause this is like going to college. Like what's your graduation plan? Mm-hmm. Like you're going to this 
class, you're, you know, you're starting with this, then you go to this, then you go to this. I mean, all these guys want to be up there immediately, but you know, you have to go through these certain levels and hit these certain checkpoints to get there. Uh, I'd love to know if that's like those guys knowing that and just being professional or whether the organization brings them in and says, Heston, like if, you know, this is kind of where we see it. Let's like get these things done or Westbrook, let's get these things done or Kowser, like, you know, and maybe based on numbers, up this quickly, but that would be very interesting to, to know how they kind of go about that. Uh, I've always been fascinated by that aspect of like minor league players and, and what the communication is mm-hmm. with them. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's some – I'm sure they're on the same page. Again, it's not like Westbury's just being like, hey, guys, what, what's the deal here? You know, what's going on? Sure, again, they've got them on – you know, there's, they, they have to meet with these guys. I'm sure Britain and, and them meet with these guys probably daily, you know, and, and just very open with them. And, again, I think that's probably the best policy, just be open with them, let them know where they stand, you know, and, and like you said, good things will come if you keep playing and, and – you know, it's also it's like the fans think that like you know the first hot streak a guy has in AAA, you got to bring him up, you got to bring him up. And it's like no, you can't. You know, you can't. We've seen like we we talked about hot streaks and cold streaks. Like because a guy has a good month or two or whatever, like you don't just run him right up. But I don't know. I mean, again, I I think moves are coming soon. It will be interesting to see. Again, I have the notifications on for the Orioles and a bunch of their beat reporters. So every time I see you know a, a notification, I'm like, oh shit, what? What is it? And then it's just like Taryn Vavra goes down or something like that. But again, I, I think it's going to be soon. I, I know I said on the podcast, um, was it Friday the 23rd? That's uh, that um, Seattle game, I think, for Cowser. He'll be up at least by then. So it could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be whenever. But I don't know. It's going to be exciting. And if they keep the winning. Are definitely again, cool to, everyone to correct myself the Orioles are not 24 and 1 I must have misheard they're 24 and 11 when they score four runs still very good <laughs> I was like yeah 24 like, and 1 if they it was score like four 10 more. and 13 and 24 and 1 that's 14 losses they have 10 more than that I definitely misheard and I just went back and counted yeah 24 and 11 still very good yeah, it mm. happens good stuff on the birds there very very Hold substantive yourself. talk on that too We've uh we've had quite a quite a few uh substantive chats tonight. Any, anything else uh, rattling around here? That's kind of all I had on my uh my shortlist here. Actually, no, I had um Banks. I know you wanted to weigh in on the uh, Donald Trump classified documents indictments. So uh, how about you uh, give us some some color on that? I think we all, I think we all mute here and just let him go here for a I'll while. Be, I'll be honest. I didn't even uh, I didn't even know what he was being indicted for. So that's just me being well read citizen yet again. Okay, well, there's there's your take on that. I mean, you, you wanted to weigh in, and you did, so great, great job. Um, anything, anything else we got other than that? I feel like I should, because I was not on the the, sh- the show earlier this week, I feel like I should um, shout out our friends of the show, two friends, on a fantastic performance uh, last Friday in Chicago, the mm. Big Booty Next Premiere. Um, wonderful event with all of the, uh, the fellow citizens of Big Booty Land. Uh, that could make it out to the event. Obviously, other citizens like RDT Banks, you know, back at home on the home front, you know, watching live. Uh, awesome job by those guys. We had them on whatever it was last year to kind of talk about that process, and they were awesome dudes, um, and they put on a great show. So um felt like it was worth shouting them out here. Um, they did a great job. So two friends of the show. Shout well, out to them. Got to get them back on. Yeah, they're, they're great. And they're coming to D.C. later in the month, I think. 
So if people are into that, into that type of um, show, they do a fantastic job and they'll have the stuff from the new mix. So, um, which comes out Friday um, everywhere, like SoundCloud and all those different things. Mm-hmm. Um, what a city in the summer Chicago is. Whew. Fun times. It's your first time in summertime shy? Last summer. I went last summer too. Um, oh, that's right. So I still haven't gotten out there during a Cubs home weekend. I've somehow they've been on the road both times I've gone. Um, so the next time I will be making sure it's on a Cubs home weekend. I was there in uh, I was there in September two years ago, and I like I still think about moving there just because of that weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like you know the the locals are kind of like it's a terrible city weather wise seven months of the year, and then when it's summer, it's unbelievable, and it really is like. You know, we the five of us here live in and around Baltimore. Like, what they're doing with their coastline and water, and what we're doing with our coastline and water from a city <laughs> standpoint. I mean, I understand that water quality is a different, is a beast there, but man, like the stuff that's along the lake there, and like what the Inner Harbor looks like right now is just miles different. Like, just we're more like a maritime Pier. city than they are. Like, yeah, when I was walking around Navy Pier, I was like, "What are we doing in these Inner Harbor buildings? Like, we got to figure out that whole pavilion situation because they have that's just one little area where they have it way better than we do." So, um, yeah, what a what a place! Like the the venue we were at was right next to Soldier Field as Terror Swift was going on. There was just like a bunch yeah. of people down there. Uh, it's a cool it tailgating pretty- scene out there outside Soldier with uh, along the water. It's like yeah, like a, almost like a boat yard. That's along there. I, I saw the venue from across the water um, when I was there a couple of Novembers ago. Obviously. Yeah. Very cool city. And it's like one of those ones, some of the East Coast ones, I guess it's like a Baltimore fan. You can kind of have like New York, Boston, you kind of have that like intrinsic ick factor maybe towards them, even though they're great cities. Like Chicago, there's really no beef. <laughs> so you just like go there and just like, oh, the Cubs, sick. <laughs> yeah. All these teams, it's great. You know, so um, cool city. A lot of awesome neighborhoods. So, Spenny, Spenny, you got something over there? I love Chicago. I love summertime I like Chicago. Been, I feel like you've been wanting to jump in. Like you've been like making these little movements, and I uh, know I got pumped because Michael Harris hit a double, and I had him two plus total bases. <laughs> oh, of course, so I yeah. gave a fist pump there. But I, I'm a huge fan of summertime Chicago. I will say, in my limited time there, I ate at a pizza place with my friend one time summer evening and i've never seen more attractive people walking down the street it was like very like i don't know metrosexually handsome men beautiful women it looks like it's, it turns into like secret la during the summer feel like like it's very very good scene there but it's not all like i don't know uh not as fake feeling as LA. that river walk so, scene yeah that river walk scene in september like off of uh i think michigan avenue or whatever that is uh, yeah like mile that's yeah that's that's a hot people only type area it's also like if you're someone that's looking for a vacation that involves the water and you're not trying to like i i guess like beach fly some, like go to a big city and like do that kind of get that combination it's like a very easy place to fly like the, the you have two airports flights are pretty cheap like you can get a Southwest flight for like under two hundred dollars, um, one way there. So it's like it's a it's midway, a pretty, like yeah, it's a cool place to go. That's not hard to get to if you're someone that lives here. That's like looking for a little bit of a different vibe. Yeah. Um. So yeah, much uh, mu- many good things to say about summertime Chicago. Um, missed Banks. He was supposed to be at the Big Booty Mix, but had to 
dip out because of his new professional responsibilities. But um, he's just on LinkedIn firing those those messages. Yeah, I mean he's out there. Hey, yeah, I mean, he's out there doing his thing. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, in mails actually, um, in mails. My only yeah, other thing I, that I. The only other thing that I would have mentioned on the show the other day is I hope everyone got to watch. I mean, it didn't go well for my team, unfortunately, but uh, another great regional college baseball weekend, just one of the all time great, like just wacky stuff happens in all these regionals. I, if you're a baseball person, you just watch MLB. You should watch the the two college weekends a year. You should watch is the regional and super regional weekends. College world series is fine. It's great, but it's, it's, there's so many games and they're on from 11 a.m. till after midnight. And it's just like, it's, and especially if you're like someone that gambles, just gambling all the games. Um, not me and somebody don't bet on it, not me, but other people that maybe enjoy the, that fair. Um, you know, I'm just doing, doing, uh, doing some public service, but um, it's cool. It's a, it's, it's a cool thing. And the Terps got screwed against, against Wake Forest, but, um, that's a great. That's a great Wake Forest team. They went. They may win the whole thing, but you got like Penn making the regional finals. You got Oral Roberts making the super regionals. You got these teams on the ropes. It's just like very, very fun. It's a very, very fun uh, weekend of sports. It's sort softball of like too. Softball's good too. Yeah, softball's really good too. It's really softball's good. incredible. Yeah, there's a there was an article. I don't remember where it was that like softball is the sport you want baseball to be in terms of like. How fast Excited. it is, yeah, yeah, and how action packed it is, yeah. Now I, I would disagree. disagree. I think baseball is also now becoming fast and action packed because the game's taking. Yeah, like most of the left-handed hitters are running halfway down the baseline before they even they don't even try to hit the ball; they just slap at it. The slap hitting, it's, yeah, it's weak. It's weak. But yeah, I mean, and the softball the softball ratings are just like skyrocketing every single year. So people love them some softball. It really the, does get huge ratings. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma is a little bit of a juggernaut right now, so I don't know if the dynasty effect there will you know, take away some interest. They're up two to one right now in the clinch, potentially clinching game. But yeah, hmm. softball and baseball postseasons. Not a lot going on in June sports. Very, very good fodder. Hmm. Great to get an as a former player moment from Banks there too. Always, always love when those come around. Um, <laughs> but uh, did I, yeah, did I, did I say anything to that effect? I think you're projecting. That was just that was a that was a they don't respect the game uh, thing from you for sure. That was <laughs> yeah, like definitely uh, was. he didn't give the ball, ball bro. It was like it was like as a guy it's that stood ball. in a box in baseball and actually hit the ball. Yeah. That was one of those. Yeah. Stay in the goddamn box. Yeah, don't slap it down the line. Square one up one time. <laughs> yeah. Don't rub it. Okay. You well, I guess you're once you're out mm. of the box. I guess that's all we got. Eric, how about uh, before we get out of here, this is the last uh, last pod of the week ostensibly. How about you plug what you got going on on Sunday night? Yes, um, Jimmy's Famous Seafood, Tyler Wells, myself, crab cakes, beer. I, I mean, what more could you want? Um, the promo code is still live, Exit52. Uh, get your tickets. It's $20 off. Um, and yeah, we're just going to have like a little Q and a, have some food, some drinks, and just going to chop it up with Tyler Wells. Um, like I said on the podcast the other day, this, my, my reign of taking pictures, uh, with people who are at least one foot taller than me at Jimmy's will keep going on. Um, so yeah, it should be a fun event again, if you're not doing anything Sunday night, which I don't know how many people have stuff, but, uh, yeah, come on out, get your tickets and, uh, come meet Tyler Wells and hang out and 
get a chance to ask him some questions. I mean, he's been a goddamn dog this year, so he's uh, I'm fired up to to finally meet him, and you know, he's just been a, he's been a monster. So come on out and meet him. Mm, he's the he's the big daddy. Yeah, that's gonna be a funny visual. And we did talk about the uh, you do need to get the picture, and you do need to do the the clenched fist uh, too uh, on full display for the camera. So yeah. Uh, go and get your tickets to that. Like we said, XM52 for $20 off at Jimmy's Seafood. You can find it under the events tab on their website. So go check that out. Uh, and then I think uh, some of us may or may not be probably going to be making an appearance at the yard on Saturday. So if you want to meet up with us, we'll probably be out there, at least some of us. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you guys for tuning in to this happy hour. Uh, good to get to do another one of these that have been a little while. Hopefully we can get a little bit more frequent with them moving forward, but it's always a good time. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Before we get out of here, follow us on all social media. You can follow us at Exit52Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spenny's at Ravens4Dummies. That's the number four in the middle there. Eric, E-D-I-T-T-I-22. Brian is at Barstool Banks, and Taylor is at TaylorSmythe10. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. At Mariah Mills, your bathroom is filled with so- filled with soda bottles and cans. No wonder you fat as f and not in shape. <laughs> f you at Zion Williamson. I'm tired of being nice. You hurt me and humiliated me. <laughs> boy, boy, what is it you want to do when you grow up?